Good morning and welcome, welcome. This episode is going to be a little different because I wanted to share with you a lesson that I did on behalf of the AND campaign. Now, the AND campaign is a Christian political organization that focuses on helping people live out their faith with both compassion and conviction. And even though I'm not really a super politically savvy person, I was very excited to talk to a group of people on how we can engage as a Christian in life and the political sphere in general. And so that's what this podcast is going to be about. Now, if you're not a political person or you don't really get into that, that's okay. We're not really getting into that either in this episode. What we are going to talk about is how to live out loud for Jesus, no matter where you are, including politics. So here's the lesson and I hope you enjoy it. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. I think it's afternoon for you guys. So (laughs) good afternoon. I'm on the West Coast. I'm in San Diego, California. So it is still morning for me, but super excited to be here to talk to y'all today. I am pretty informal as a speaker. We're going to talk about some scriptures. We're going to talk about three concepts and just talk about life in general, this life, this crazy life trying to follow Jesus in this world that is getting progressively crazier by the day, it feels like. And we're going to have a conversation. And then I would love for you guys to be able to ask me questions at the end. And so if you have any questions, feel free to write them down or remember them if you can, but definitely write them down so that we can make sure we cover that at the end. Cool? Yes? All right. Awesome. (laughs) And because I can't hear you, if you If you like something I say, if something resonates with it, you can just snap your fingers. You can hold your hand up. You can give me a thumbs up. You can interact with me that way because I can't hear you. So again, thank you so much. Today, we are going to talk about engagement without compromise. Engagement without compromise. How do we engage in today's society? How do we engage in just our life in general and and the political sphere and, and everything? How do we live this life for God without compromising for the world? How do we do that? And so we're going to, we're going to talk about that. And first I want to tell y'all a story. So in 2019, before everything shut down in 2020 with the pandemic and all that in 2019, I was working with my friend Marisha and she is, she does a lot of different things in the media industry. But one of the things she started doing for me was looking for casting opportunities. And so she submits me to this one casting opportunity and it was for a celebrity who it was starting their own podcast and they were auditioning for their co-hosts. So you know how there's one celebrity and then they bring on a couple of co-hosts and they, they build the podcast off that. So they were auditioning for co-hosts. And so my friend Marisha submits me for this opportunity and I end up getting picked. And it's a super worldly podcast, very uh, with a celebrity who has a very sexualized brand. She's always had a very sexualized brand that's just super worldly. The other co-host is a self-proclaimed witch. Um, (laughs) She does a lot of different things. And so they brought me onto that podcast to be the voice of the conservative Christian audience. And so they knew what I stood for. They knew what my life was about. They knew everything about what I was going to say as far as agreeing or disagreeing with whatever we were talking about in general. So it was very interesting. And and it made sense because a lot of times when you want to 
have good TV, quote unquote, or a good listening experience. You want some conflict. You want some disagreement so that it can generate good discussion, right? So we all knew why they casted me. Fast forward and we end up interviewing a former porn star. What? Like, so at this point, you ha- you can already imagine, I would assume that they would know how I felt about this, right? I would assume that they didn't expect me to agree with a whole lot of things that were being said <laughs> and a whole lot of things that were happening, right? But it turned out as we went through the episode and in the aftermath of the episode, there were certain things that they didn't appreciate about what I said. They didn't appreciate that I communicated in terms of disagreeing with certain stances and disagreeing with certain things that were said. Again, I'm sitting here like, y'all knew who I was. (laughs) Like, y'all knew what I believed, right? What did you expect me to agree with? (laughs) But for whatever reason, they didn't like how it sounded. And I ended up, we ended up deciding to part ways. Now, it was not my decision to part ways. It was their decision to part ways. But because I had stood up for what I believed in and communicated in a way that made them uncomfortable, but according to the truth, I was let go of this podcast. And it's interesting because this is kind of the dilemma that we face in existing in today's society as people who are are trying our hardest to follow Jesus in a society that doesn't follow Jesus or says they follow God, but is not necessarily biblically based in their actions, their beliefs, their convictions, and the things that they live out on a daily basis. And so how do we, as people who are really trying to do this, how do we then operate? And so today I want to talk about three things that we need to do to engage society and politics in a way that will make God proud, but also in a way that is productive (laughs) and in a way that gets our witness out there. So I have three things to share with you. Number one, conviction. Number two, love. And number three, action. So we're going to talk about those three things, conviction, love, and action. So number one, conviction, to know what you believe and why. And the definition of conviction, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is the state of being convinced, a strong persuasion or belief. And so when we have conviction on the Bible, when we have conviction on who God is and what he tells us to do and what he stands for, what he believes, what he wants us to believe and do, when we have those convictions, that means that we will be fully convinced and fully persuaded as far as exactly what those things are. And so what I have to ask you is, are you fully convinced right now? Are you fully persuaded in your Christian beliefs, in what you believe that the Bible is asking you to do and telling you to do, and at certain certain times commanding us to do, Are you fully convinced and persuaded on that? You know, a great example of this, I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday about this. A great example of this is the LGBTQ community. They are fully convinced on what they believe, on what they stand for, and they are unified in that. 
we can learn from anybody. And so if we want to look at an example, a modern day example on conviction and unity, we don't have to look very far. We can look to the LGBTQ community for that. But here's the thing. Do we have the same convictions in our Christian beliefs, in our biblical beliefs that they do in terms of what they stand for? And are we willing to live that out and be as vocal as they are for what they believe? Because they are a perfect example of conviction and unity. And so have we studied our word enough to get that conviction? Have we connected it to the emotional ties and the ability to speak from the heart? I was having a conversation on Facebook the other day and I was talking about the transgendered conversation and this woman literally called me Satan because I disagreed with her. But as the conversation continued, what I discovered was that her son was, she believed, transgendered. And so there was an emotional tie behind the cause that she was advocating for. And so have we gotten to the point in our walk with God, in our ability to study the word, in our personal experiences and our personal passion for God and his word and our relationships, that there's that emotional tie so that when we communicate our convictions, it is coming across with power and passion. That's the only way that convictions are really going to go anywhere. A conviction without power and passion. And if you're not fully persuaded in what you believe, it's not going to convince anyone. And so number one, do we have the conviction? Do we know what we believe? And are we fully persuaded in that? I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. The first one is John 17, verse 14 through 17. It says, I have given them your word. This is Jesus talking, by the way. Verse 14, it says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world for them. I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Do we have a conviction that the word of God is true and that we are meant to be sanctified by it? What does sanctified mean? It means to be set apart. So Jesus is saying here, yeah, the world is going to hate them because they're not of the world. Are we willing to be set apart? Do we have the convictions in order to live it out and be set apart according to the word of God? That is what it means to be fully persuaded in that is we don't blend in. We don't blend in with the world. We are set apart according to the word. Another scripture I absolutely love on this is Romans 12, verse one and two. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. I love this scripture, these two scriptures, because it talks about in view of God's mercy. So because of the mercy that God has shown us, we are going to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice so that we will then be transformed and renewed in our minds. Here's the thing. You aren't sanctified 
immediately. Like, okay, I'm completely separate from the world. My behavior shows it all the time. That's who I am. That's my character. It is a sanctification process. It is a process of being set apart. But that process only happens with the decision to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, to make the choice and make the effort to set ourselves apart according to the word in every single direction, in every single situation, in every single decision that we make. When we have the conviction, when we build the conviction, we will be able to live this out. So again, where are your convictions on the word? Where are your convictions? Do Are you fully persuaded and convinced that the word of God is true and that we need to live that out. Number two is love. And, you know, for me, I just finished reading the book, uh, The Five Love Languages. Has anyone read that book? Super good book. I actually, I listened to it on Audible. Um, Does that count as reading it? (laughs) I listened to it on Audible. It was so good. And what I discovered was my primary language is quality time and my secondary language is words of affirmation. And here's the thing. When I don't feel loved, it is really hard for me to want to listen to you. (laughs) It is really hard for me to hear anything you're saying. (laughs) And that's how God made us for whatever reason. And if that's true for us, then that's true for other people. And it makes me think of this scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse one, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. It reminds me of that scripture because when you think of a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, you could be speaking the truth of God, but if you aren't speaking it in love, it's like clanging a cymbal in somebody's ear. It's not going to be pleasant. They're going to plug their ears. They're going to want to run away from you. They're going to be like, get away from me. I don't want to listen to you. And so that is how important love is. And, you know, love can get very lost in the political arena. It can get very lost in things that we disagree with each other in. When we have conviction, one of the hardest things to do is to communicate a strongly held belief and a passionately held belief to communicate that in a way that is loving and gentle to someone who disagrees with you. That can be very, very difficult. But it is a necessity because as we see in this scripture, if we do not communicate in love, then our words will be a clanging cymbal and a resounding gong to that person. They will sound in a way that makes them want to run away from us, stop listening. It will literally repel them away from our message. And I think that's where the balance has to come in is we do have to have conviction. And a lot of people have let conviction get in the way of their love and other people have let love get in the way of their conviction. And we have to have both. 
we have to have both. The scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 continues on, very popular scripture. In verse four, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so for us, we have to ask ourselves, does this describe our interactions with people who both agree with us and disagree with us? Does this describe our interactions with the people who are unloving towards us? Are we loving the unloving? And, you know, this this scripture calls me higher every time. I'm like, oh my gosh. One time I was listening to a sermon and they said, if you really want a heart check, replace the word love in this scripture with your name and ask yourself, does this passage now accurately describe me? And y'all, that's always convicting to me. I'm like, oh, let me, let me, uh, let me work on the patient part. <laughs> let me work on, on the kind part to people who I feel unloved by and disrespected by. Let me work on the, the self-seeking part in trying to get my point across without listening to their point or their feelings. Let me check on the rejoices with the truth part. Here's the thing. The world says love is love. The world says that if I want to love you, I have to affirm everything that you're doing. And I have to be able to tell you that you get to live life your way because I love you. But the Bible says that love rejoices with the truth. And so according to the scriptures, we cannot separate biblical truth from love. And so we have to tell people the truth in order to love them. Jesus was loving and he empathized with people and he he loved them in words and actions, but he also did not co-sign their sin or sin with them. One of the examples that people always use is the adulterous woman. He says, I, I do not condemn you, but he also told her to leave her life of sin, you know? And so when we're loving people, we also have to have the conviction to stand on truth. One of the things we have to remember is that we cannot love people without humility. Philippians 2, we have to look at others and consider their needs and wants and consider their feelings above our own in addition to our own. We cannot love without humility. We cannot love without listening. How are you going to love someone if you don't listen to how they want to be loved and what they need from you? We cannot love without listening. And we cannot love without validating other people's lived experience. Another conversation I was having with the same friend yesterday, we were talking about how in the racial justice conversation, it is very difficult when certain people are telling you that they live in a world that you have never experienced as a person um, who may not be of darker skin color or of a, a different class per se, or there's, there's a lot of things that we have not experienced as a response to different privileges that we may have. And that's not necessarily your fault, but the only way that we can relate to that and love the people who have different experiences than we do is to validate a lived experience, even if we have not personally lived it. And that is a way that we can help other people to feel loved and heard. And we can figure out a, a solution and a way to coexist and to move forward in unity when we may not understand or necessarily agree with other people is to 
humbly listen and validate other people's lived experience, even if we don't understand it, even if we don't agree with it, even if it's not our own. You know, the greatest commandments in Matthew 22, it's love God and love people. First, we have to love God enough to stand up for his truth. And next, we have to love people enough to live out love in our actions. I have a lot of friends who disagree with me. (laughs) I have a lot of friends who live a different lifestyle than I do. I have a lot of friends that don't believe in the Bible necessarily, or don't believe that you have to live it out. They believe that you can just believe, you know, and not actually follow and live it out. I have a lot of friends like that. And they know two things about me. Number one, they know that I love them. They know that even if they never agree with me, that I genuinely want the best for them. And that has to be something that the people in your life know. They have to know that you love them. Why? Because the greatest commandment is to love God, but the second greatest commandment is to love people. And so the people in our lives have to know that we love them, period. But the second thing that the people in my life know is that I disagree with them. Why? Because love rejoices with the truth. And I cannot love you without telling you God's truth. And so they have to know that we love them, but in loving them, they also have to know that we disagree with them in the ways that they disagree with God and the Bible. And here's the thing. I have friends that know those two things and we're great friends, but there are certain people that are not going to agree with those things that are not going to be okay. Okay. Well, if you disagree with me, I can't love you. If you disagree with me, we can't be friends. And those are the people that you have to be willing to lose. Those are the people that you have to say, you know what? I I love God and loving God means obeying him. And that is the first commandment. And so I'm sorry. I love you. I wish you the best. I want to be friends with you. I absolutely love you, but I have to agree with God on this one. And that may lose us some friends, just like it lost me that podcast, just like it has lost me other friends, you know, but that's where that conviction comes in. So conviction and love have to go hand in hand. So the question to ask yourself is, how are you doing on this? Does 1 Corinthians 13 describe your interactions with people who both agree and disagree with you? What's interesting in 1 Corinthians 12, leading into 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 31, it says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And then it goes into the description of love. Loving people is the most excellent way to follow God, according to this biblical definition. How cool is that? The most excellent way is to love people. Wow. Amen. (laughs) Amen. The third thing, so we have conviction. We got to believe that the word is true and be able to stand on that. We have love. It doesn't matter (laughs) if we have all the conviction in the world, if we're not communicating it and living it out in a loving way. Number three is action. God is a God of action and nothing matters without action. The scripture that I think of when I think of this is Luke 9, verse 23 through 26. It says, then he said to them all, he being Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. 
I love this scripture. And this is Jesus spelling out a specific aspect of discipleship. What does it look like to follow Jesus? He starts out, it says, then he said to them all. So Jesus did not single out the leadership. He did not single out the pastors. He did not single out those who are quote unquote called. He did not single out those who have a passion for ministry. He turns to the entire crowd, everyone following him and says this, whoever wants to be my disciple, a disciple is a student or follower of Christ. So whoever, anybody and everybody wants to be my disciple must. This is not a question. This is not a, an option. This is not a request. This is a requirement of Jesus. It says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Not once a week, <laughs> not once a month, not when it's easy, not when they agree, not when they love us, but daily, every day. And it says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. If we do not want to deny ourselves, then we will ultimately lose our lives in the long run. And specific to this topic, of engaging in the public forum, engaging in society and and politics in general, there are two ways that we need to stand up for what we believe is true. There's two ways that we need to deny ourselves according to this Luke 9 scripture. And number one, it goes back to the conviction. Number one is standing up for the truth. That is hard. That is hard in a society who doesn't agree with the Bible. That is hard when we're surrounded by people who are going to persecute us and ridicule us and not want to be our friends, cut off relationships. That is difficult to stand up for the truth. But that is one way that we need to take up our cross daily and deny ourselves to follow Jesus. Why? Because he did it. And number two, the other way that we need to deny ourselves in action is to love the unloving. It is so hard to love someone who doesn't love you. It is so hard to, to love someone who is willing to disrespect you and who stomps all over your beliefs and your firmly held convictions and the thing that you're most passionate about. It is really hard, but Jesus commands it. And so in that way, conviction and love mean nothing without action, without actually living it out, without standing up for the truth and loving the unloving. And then the last scripture I want to look at is Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These are some of Jesus's last words. And it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We have to understand this is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus has commanded us to do. And really, this is the only answer. Making disciples is the only answer. Why? Because of the scripture we just read in verse 9, 23 through 26. Jesus says, go and make disciples, go and make followers of me, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything. What does that include? Obeying everything includes taking up your cross daily and denying yourself. And so if we're going to make disciples, that's making more people who stand up for the truth, have the convictions on the word, and more people who love others even when it's hard. If we go and make disciples, we are not only saving people, but we are helping them to follow Jesus in conviction, 
in love and in action. And so that action starts with our action. And that's what Jesus wants. You know, he's like, go and make disciples, baptizing them and then starting and then teaching them everything. What's part of everything to go and make disciples. So go make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Y'all get it. And then all of a sudden everyone loves Jesus. Everyone is going to follow Jesus, taking up their cross daily, denying themselves, standing up for the Bible and loving each other in action, even when it's hard. And in that way, we will evangelize the world. We will be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we will start to live this out in a way that makes Christianity attractive again. We will live this out in a way that makes people actually want to be Christian because they will know us by Christ. They will know us through Christ. We will actually be the ambassadors of God. Because when people, when you disagree with people, if you do it in a loving way, they might not ever agree with you. But you know what? They will respect you and they will feel loved by you. And their respect opens the door for them to eventually come back to you when they see their way isn't working. And so when we do this, when we live in conviction, when we live in love, and when we live in action, we will truly be able to be the ambassadors of Christ. We will make Christianity something that people want to do again. And that in change will change the world. We do need more political people. We do need more doctors. We do need more athletes. We do need more artists. We do need more of everything. But more importantly, most importantly, we need people in those arenas who are disciples. We need more disciples of Jesus who are willing to live in conviction, love, and action, and who are willing to sacrifice their time to make more disciples so that we can truly change this world for Jesus. And so I want to ask you, are you willing? Are you willing to do that? And we'll end on that question. <laughs> no, thank you so much for um, for listening and, and for being part of this lesson. I would love, love, love to hear any feedback you have, any questions you have. Um, would love to answer anything you have to say.